We're so excited to have you connect with this ministry of Moore Memorial United Methodist Church today. We're continuing to provide some elements of worship digitally during this season that our church is closed down for in-person worship. We're also making plans to gather together on Christmas Eve safely and together in person. Uh, we're making plans right now to have a drive-in service at 4 o'clock on Christmas Eve, and we would love to have you join us for that. Letting folks drive in will mean that we can let you tune in to the music and the sermon that we'll have on the radio, and you and your family can sing along right there in the car, knowing that there are people next to you doing the same thing, celebrating the arrival of our Lord Jesus. I don't know about you, but I desperately long to get to sing with God's people in this season. So if you'd like to join us for that, we'd be happy to have you. And we'll give you all the details for that in our broadcast next Sunday, where you can keep up with us by checking in on our website or by liking and following our Facebook page where you can get updates from us as they come. And as we come to the end of the year, we'd be grateful for any gifts that God might be calling you to share with our church to enable us to live ever more faithfully into our mission, to live as God's children, sharing the love of Christ through study, worship, and service. If you'd like to give online, you can do that at morememorialumc.com. Or if you'd like to mail us a check, you can do that at P.O. Box 467 right here in Winona. Today's sermon focuses on what it looks like for us to be faithful regardless of life circumstances, what it looks like for us to be obedient to God and to follow Him and live according to His plan regardless of what that might mean for our plans. I pray that it's a blessing to you and I pray that it is an invitation to you to live as faithfully and obediently as Mary regardless of your circumstances. Let's pray. Eternal Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the gift of Advent. When we, together with all of your people, can embrace the waiting. And we pray, O oh Lord, that as we await and anticipate and become excited about the arrival of your Son, our Savior, Jesus, that you would speak to us clearly that you would prepare our hearts for your coming so that when you arrive, we might be ready. We pray, O oh Lord, that at our arrival, our souls might magnify you, our God. This we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, he who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God both now and forever. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes from Psalm chapter 34. We'll read the first 10 verses of the psalm. A psalm of David when he feigned madness before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Look to him and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Happy are those who take refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning comes from Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. Hear this word. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every evil. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Finally, this morning, we'll read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. Luke, chapter 1, 39 through 56. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months, and then returned to her home. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the drama of this story is really incredible. Mary is in an impossible situation and she's agreed to it anyway. There's no telling what her her cousin Elizabeth, who's wanted and longed for a child for 
decades upon decades, is going to say when Mary shows up to her house and walks into the door and confides with Elizabeth that she's expecting. And now what once was a bright future for a young woman in Nazareth seems very much in doubt. She's engaged to a man. She's engaged to a good man. She's engaged to a good man from a good family who has a good job. And she's risked it all. What God's going to do didn't even make sense to her at first when the angel Gabriel showed up and told her that she was going to be expecting a child. Except as Gabriel's told her, and she now knows by experience, nothing is impossible with God. So she's a virgin, not yet married, pregnant. And what's so remarkable about all of it is her faithfulness through it all. She asks some clarifying questions of Gabriel before we get the story that we read today. She asks him how this is possible, and he explains what's going to happen. And at the end of it all, what she says is, Here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. These are the words of faith and trust that lives itself out in faithfulness to God. I'm here. I'm your servant. Let's roll. And so as she walks into Elizabeth's house, and Elizabeth senses the Holy Spirit moving in her to the point that the baby inside her womb leaps for joy, and Elizabeth prophesies over Mary and asks, Who am I that you should come into my house? Mary breaks into song. And it's an odd song, really, for a young woman whose whole life is potentially in jeopardy, and it was just about to all fall into place. Now this baby is complicating everything. Mary has agreed to a whole host of things that she knows and doesn't know she's signing up for. She knows that he'll be the Messiah and the Savior. She knows that he'll be the Son of the living God. She knows what God is going to do in her and in her body, but she does not know what the rest of it all will mean. Will Joseph leave? Will her whole life fall apart? Will she live the rest of her life in shame about the assumptions that others have made of her? Will her friends and her family disown her? What will it mean for her to be faithful to the calling of the Lord? So she shows up to Elizabeth's house, not sure about what she's going to say. And Elizabeth and the baby in her womb know exactly what's going on. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why has the mother of my Lord come to me? God is fulfilling what has been spoken. And then the whole scene stops and Mary breaks into song. And if this were a movie, this is the place where the guy looks at the girl who talked him, who talked him into bringing her there for a date and says, you didn't tell me this was a musical. But she sings, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. 
He's looked attentively at the lowliness of his servant. And behold, starting right now, all generations will call me blessed. In fact, all generations will bless me, is what she says. My soul magnifies the Lord. It's a strange song. And it's hard to translate in English, especially this first line, because in Greek the word order works differently. But the first word is the verb, magnifies. And to do it this way, you have to kind of talk like Yoda. Magnifies the Lord, my soul does. But that word is where this song gets its name. And this song is the prayer that's prayed by some Christians every day at Vespers, at Evensong. My soul magnifies the Lord. But what does that mean, to magnify the Lord? The Lord can't get any bigger or any smaller. He's infinite. He's in every place at every time. Wherever you run, wherever you jump, wherever you climb, wherever you drive, wherever you fly, the Lord is there already. The Lord is, and he is unchanging So if you can't make God bigger or smaller, how can your soul magnify the Lord? It's important to note that Mary doesn't pluck this language out of thin air. She doesn't choose this language all on her own. It's right there in the psalm that we read as we started today. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And we can hear other parts of her poem in the psalms too. Especially this one, 34, as he continues on, David says, The face of the Lord is against evildoers, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from all. And the same kind of themes continue in Psalm 35 as well. My soul shall rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his deliverance. It turns out that David is not the only one in the family that can write a good hymn of praise. Mary here, much later, is doing the same sort of thing, composing her own psalm in her greeting to Elizabeth. My soul magnifies the Lord. Rooted in the deep tradition of the psalm, she says, My soul makes the image of God more clear to the rest of the world. She's not making God any bigger. But a magnifying glass doesn't just make things bigger. It makes them intelligible. It makes them to the point that we can make sense of them. Mary's life, her soul is bringing into focus the very image of God to the world. Even with a magnifying glass, you can't magnify the whole world, but you can magnify the fine details of the world so that you can examine them and pay attention to them and marvel at their wonders. So you can see all of the subtle things going on. But Mary's soul... It's not just a a magnifying lens that you can look through and see God. She herself is a representation of God as all humans are made in the image of God. 
And that image can be dirty or marred or in righteousness like we read about in that 1 Thessalonians passage. It becomes more and more clear. And in her acceptance of Gabriel's words, in her submission to the will of God for her life, her whole life has become a part of what it means for God to reveal his character to the world in her Son, God in the flesh, our Savior, Jesus. Irenaeus, one of the earliest theologians immediately after the time that Scripture was written, he was born in about 130, so he's in the generation just behind the people who knew the disciples. And he talks about Mary as a new version of Eve. And he tells the story of Eve so that you can see it. He says, Eve was a virgin. She and Adam had not... Uh, yet consummated their relationship. Eve is a virgin who listens to a serpent and eats the fruit of a tree in disobedience because she's listened to the wrong one. She hears a supernatural message that leads her to act contrary to the will of God so that she can get what she wants. She can become master of her own life. She can become like God to know the difference in good and evil. She thinks God doesn't want her to be like him. But it turns out that what she does is obscure the image of God in herself with her sin. But now, the Virgin Mary hears a message not from the serpent, but from the very messenger of the Lord Gabriel, and receives an invitation that might cost her everything that she wants. And yet her obedience will become an integral part of God's plan to redeem the whole world from the sin of Eve and the rest of us. So Mary, as she begins to sing about magnifying the Lord, her very obedience is doing what she is singing about. Her image is reflecting the glory of God and her faithfulness is a part of God's plan to reveal his image to the whole world that he will reign in glory and power and love as it is seen when Jesus is enthroned on the cross. So Mary's not just singing here. She's preaching an entirely new kind of kingdom. Unless you think that I'm some modern person talking about a woman preaching, St. Ephraim in the 4th century, about 350, describes the Magnificat exactly this way over 1,700 years ago. That Mary is preaching a new kind of kingdom. His mercy is, those, is for those who fear him from generation to generation. All those generations that are going to call Mary blessed... They're going to do that because of the mercy of God. And the strength that the Lord has in his arm is what has done it. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. The place where they were sure they were the best, where they were confident that they were worthy of praise themselves in their own hearts, that's now been confused for the proud. They're no longer sure what to think of themselves. They're worse than humbled from their pride. They're confused. 
And God has knocked the powerful off of their thrones because he's the king of kings who will be enthroned forever. And he's lifted up the lowly. And for Mary, this isn't an abstract idea. She's already identified herself as lowly. God has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. And he's remembered his promises to Abram and all of Abram's descendants, and he's fulfilling them, every one of them that he's made. Man, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary's faithfulness magnifies the Lord. She has been seen by the favorable gaze of God. And that has changed everything for her. Her response is one of obedience that lets her know the Lord and make him known. Because how we can see God clearly is because Mary does bear a child named Jesus and she lays him in a manger and she wraps him in swaddling clothes and she and Joseph raise him. And he begins to minister. Mary has become for the world the burning bush all over again. If God is an all-consuming fire and God, the Son of God, Jesus, is in her womb, how is she not burnt up? The same question that draws Moses near so that he can hear the word of the Lord. Mary, by bearing Jesus in her body, is inviting people to hear the good news. Mary has become the temple within which the very presence of God dwells. Mary is magnifying the Lord. Of course all generations will bless her. She's become an integral part of the story of God, not in the assertion of her own will, not in laying out for God what her plans are, not in instituting her own way, insisting on her own way. She didn't say, sorry, Gabriel, you, you might not have known, but this isn't the best time. I'm planning a wedding, and being pregnant might not be the best thing for me to fit in my dress. And also, the whole wedding thing could get called off because I'm not sure Joseph is going to be too keen when he finds out that some guy that looked like an angel stopped in and now I'm expecting. Mary magnifies the Lord by not insisting that God's will fit into her plan for her life, but by subjecting herself to God's plan. That doesn't mean that it's all going to be cake and romance and roses. In fact, it's exactly those things that Mary is staking on the line so that she can be faithful to God. Let it be unto me as you've said. Mary magnifies the Lord not by insisting on her own way, not by insisting that God fit everything into her plans, but by subjecting herself to God's plans. She magnifies the Lord by entrusting herself entirely to God. She's not the one who does all of the work. 
Mary doesn't heal all those people. She doesn't feed the 5,000. She doesn't cast out demons. She doesn't raise people from the dead, but she does her part. And as she does it, she lives in the faithfulness of a God who remembers his promises, who scatters the thoughts of the proud, who is coming to reign in mercy and justice, in glory and honor and strength and dominion forever. He comes into just a little bit clearer focus because of her obedience. So this year, I wonder if you want Christmas on your terms. I wonder if you want Jesus on your terms. I wonder if you want salvation on your terms. I wonder if you expect the Lord to say to you, do what you want and just fit me into your schedule wherever it's convenient. And I guess for most of us, this year has not gone according to our terms. Disappointment, frustration, fear and anxiety, isolation, grief, sickness, pain and suffering. But Jesus is coming. And he's coming to scatter the thoughts of the proud, to overthrow rulers and to reign over the house of Jacob forever. And he's looking at lowly servants like you and me, and planning to reverse our fortunes. And he's inviting us to find our part in his grand work of salvation, not according to our will, but according to his, so that we can be obedient, so that we can magnify an already infinite God and bring him into focus just a little bit more sharply, so that others might see him clearly too, so that they might hear the gospel that we are preaching about a new kingdom and believe and respond with obedience. And before we know it, we too might be breaking forth into song and preaching a message of a new kind of kingdom, not on our terms, but simply because God has looked favorably upon us. And when God has seen us, in our loneliness, in our lack of worth, in all of the plans that we have made and calls us blessed and invites us into his grand mission to save the whole world. Everything else takes a back seat because Jesus has come and Jesus is setting everything right. This is our hope and this is our invitation in the gospel to wait for in the season of Advent, and to begin to prepare, even as we wait, because the Lord who has promised these things will do them. God will keep his promises. He will come and save us. Will you be obedient and a part of what he's doing? Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for Mary who models faithfulness to us. Thank you for Mary who preaches the gospel with her lips and her life. We thank you, O Lord. We praise you for the fruit of her womb, Jesus. And we ask that by your grace, somehow our lives might magnify you in such a way that the rest of the world 
can observe your goodness and your mercy and your grace. This we ask in Jesus' name. And with him, all things are possible. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this ministry of Moore Memorial United Methodist Church. We pray that God blesses you and your life as he invites you to live and follow him faithfully as a disciple of Jesus. If you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus or how you can take the first or the next step in following him faithfully, I'd love to talk to you this week. Call us at 283-3804 or send me an email at chad at morememorialumc.com. Now may God bless you with patience as you await for the arrival of the Lord and the kingdom that he is bringing. Amen.